Welcome to another episode of Breakaway from the Rat Race. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jesse Futia. Uh, Jesse is a U.S. Army Ranger, currently stationed in, uh, in Georgia. He was deployed in 2020 in the Middle East in the spring of 2020. And he started investing when he was only 20 years old. This is unbelievable. Uh, and he started in, in what he knew best at the time, which was student housing, because he was still in college. Uh, he scaled that to an eight total properties with student housing. And now he's kind of diving into commercial real estate. Jesse, welcome to the show. Yeah, Eric, thanks for having me. I'm uh huge fan of the show. I know a bunch of people that you've had on and I, I love what you do for the listeners here. So it's, it's cool to, uh, when you're a huge fan of the show, it's awesome to come on and, and to be a guest. Cause it's like, a, it's almost like a dream come true, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> everything you do, Eric, uh, for all your listeners and all the value you add. So it's a pleasure to be here today for us to chat. Well, thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate that. And just, I mean, 25 years old now. I mean, this is, uh, this is an incredible journey already. Uh, so how did, how did you get started? How did that, how did that whole happen? Yeah, absolutely. And you, you already touched on it a little bit in the intro, but to kind of deep dive it a little more, uh, I I'm born and raised in upstate New York. Like you mentioned, um, I went to college up there, uh, to SUNY Albany and, and Albany, New York, just a state school. So when I was getting ready to move off campus, I was probably about 19 or 20 years old and, um, just starting to look at the market and stuff like that, you know, how should I rent? you know, stuff like that. And I was just coming across so many, unfortunately, so many slumlords or, or uh, landlord, uh, maybe that's a derogatory term, but landlords who unfortunately don't take great care of their properties yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, rip money from the properties, you know, rip their students uh, security deposits for, you know, simple um, little things like breaking the blinds or stuff like that. And just, it was unfortunate to see the state of the real estate market there in Albany. And I was like, man, you know, I think I can do this better than by renting to some of these guys. So immediately I, I pitched my father, who's an accredited investor. I pitched a couple of my buddies and I thought about, um, you know, what if we could buy a duplex, um, you know, college house, but, you know, we can rent it by yeah. the bedroom to kind yeah. of maximize our NOI. So even though it, it is, you know, in the property with four walls, you know, it is a duplex. It almost mm -hmm. like it rents as an eight unit apartment building because we're able to rent that by the bedroom to uh, yeah. each student to kind of maximize yeah. our NOI because obviously nobody nobody's related in uh, in student housing most likely so we we kind of utilize that to uh, to maximize our NOI but yeah what what really started as kind of like just a good idea like hey I think we can do this better you know five years ago um, has grown into now an, an eight property portfolio where. You know, we've never been at anything less than 100% occupancy. Uh, we've never had any issues with anybody paying or, or anything like that. And I think that really kind of speaks to the, the level of product that we provide the consumer. Uh, mm -hmm. We do a lot of value add stuff. I mean, we take great care of these properties. Um, we put money back into them. We build great relationships with the students. We have a great relationship with the university. You know, when, when the university gets calls on like, hey, you know, do you guys have any connections with, you know, uh, off campus housing? I mean, we're, we're the first recommendation that the university oh, nice. is giving to parents and, and students out there. So it, it speaks to the level of occupancy. It, it speaks to the level of, uh, you know, product that we provide. And uh, and yeah, it, it's been super thrilling. It's cool to, to kind of grow that portfolio, you know, with my with my father. He's been a huge influence in my life. And, and to have that opportunity has been incredible. And obviously, you know, to, uh, to be kind of like a mini entrepreneur here 
on the mm-hmm. side while being full-time in the military has been an incredible experience. So, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a little bit how I got started. And uh, yeah, student, student housing is great. It's super underrated. Um, the education system and, and the demand for real estate that goes into that, um, yeah. especially from a housing point of view. I, I think some people tend to cringe, especially when you look at the last 12 months of the market, you know, colleges going remote uh, due to COVID. I think people might cringe when they hear student yeah. housing, but, uh, it, it, and for sure. And but it's coming back, there, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and a little bit there. I mean, you know, our, our, listen, our hearts dropped too, uh, in yeah. March of 2020, you know, yeah. college is going remote, but, um, and I'm not going to speak for everybody out there. I can only speak for my personal tenant base, but I would say the majority of people, when it does come to student housing, um, at least for my tenant base, the majority, you know, they're, their rent is paid by their their mother and father. Um, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the student themselves that's paying the rent. Yeah. So it's an interesting dynamic that I think, again, even through COVID, um, we had no issues with collections or, or anything like that, which, it, which again, I think it speaks to the product that we provide. Yeah. We're drawing that high quality tenant, but yeah. also it, it's kind of a, an added bonus with student housing where it's, it's not solely based on the tenant to get the rent or yeah. to collect it. So yeah, yeah no, that's, that's a little bit of how I kind of got started though. So let me, uh, I mean, I, so I've, I've never done like student housing. We, we did look at some projects in the past and uh, some of, most of our listeners, I don't think they're really in the student housing space. And uh, I think this is a little bit, it's a little bit different than a typical rental. So tell us a little bit kind of like how these, how these metrics kind of work out in terms of if you have a, a duplex, for example, and then you're renting by the room, what's, what's your average return, for example, on return on equity or cash on cash return after you finance a property, if you, if you buy something like that, what, what can our listeners expect in terms of that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And to kind of give you guys an idea of the numbers that we're looking at, I mean, we've gotten, uh, and again, we started five years ago when, when you know, fortunately the market was a lot less hot and prices were a lot lower than they are or currently. Um, but I mean, you know, when we're purchasing these duplexes, you know, a great example, we acquired a duplex who I think, again, was, was uh, the current owner was renting to families. So that, you know, yeah. one, year, one family on one side, one family on the other, and they were getting about, 12, uh, or sorry, they were getting about $1,000 a month. Per unit by, or for both units? F- per unit. So 2000 okay. together yeah, in okay. the house. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, an important thing that we look at when we're acquiring these properties, and again, we want to put students in these properties to maximize our NOI. Our, yeah. our business model isn't going to work. Our our, 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 our uh, return on equity is not going to work if, if we don't get students in there. Yeah. So again, to, to, to give you that idea, it, it's always a stipulation with what current leases are in place how the current owner is operating it, you know, can we reserve the right to, uh, to not honor those leases or, or what exactly goes into that. But yeah. again, that, that particular example, the uh, current owner was getting a thousand dollars per unit. So 2000 a month. So he was grossing right around $24,000 a year. Yeah. Um, we were able to put students in there the following year and we were renting it at about $500 a bedroom. So oh, wow. four bedrooms, um, 2000, on one side of the duplex, two thousand on the other for a wow. total of four for a total of sorry eight thousand. Um, so you went from two thousand to to four thousand. Four thousand. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah, I'm yeah. doing the no, math okay. in my yeah, head. It's okay. But yeah, uh, yeah. Wow, I mean, this is a, like this that. is amazing. Double the the gross revenue. This is absolutely phenomenal. 
Yeah. And a lot of the stuff we do, and I, I love the, uh, I really love the acquisition side and we can talk yeah. about this too, a little bit later with the commercial and how I've kind of worked into that. But a lot of the stuff we do is direct to seller, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in college, you know, simple as knocking on doors and like yeah. finding out who owns this house right here or, or cold calling, direct mailing, stuff like that. But uh, I would say almost all the deals that we've sourced have been strictly off market, direct to seller, which has given us that opportunity of like, you know, there are families in here currently, hey, this is a perfect house that we could put students in. We can fix it up a little bit. We can aesthetically make it look a more appealing yeah. uh, to mm-hmm. a younger generation or, or whatever, yeah. fill in the blank. Um, and, and just like that, we're able to, uh, in, in that particular case, uh, double our gross revenue mm, just wow. on day one, just like that. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's when an we talk about, concept. yeah, when we talk about highest and best use, I mean, this is, uh, this is very significant increase in revenue. So is there any more like, but when people, uh, when the students go to, they go home in the summer and stuff like that, is that, is that still generating income during that time or so is it rented? only for the school year or is it rented year round? Within our market in upstate New York, and another great question, it's marketed, it's rented for 12 months a year. So students okay. will sign and whatever. Uh, I'm just an example, you know, seniors will graduate in May of yeah. you know, whatever, 2021. And June 1st of 2021, we'll have another 12 month lease already uh, set up. Nice. So yeah, even though students aren't living there necessarily during the summer, yeah. Um, we're still collecting rent and we also utilize that time to update units, et cetera, yeah. fix any yeah. problems that might've incurred during the year. Mm-hmm. What about uh, property management? Is there, are you doing your own property management or do you have a company that does that? Yeah. And another, uh, another great question. My father executes, my father and my brothers really execute all property management. We, okay. we hold it all in house. So our portfolio is really uh, confined to what I would describe as like a one mile radius, okay. all eight properties. So really create some redundancy where, Hey, we can shoot over here. We can shoot over here. We can shoot over here. It's literally a second's drive from each other. Okay. Um, we knew exactly the target streets that we wanted to target. Again, I was already in college. I knew where college students wanted to live. I knew the yeah. houses. So the, the target market was that much easier. Hey, we know yeah. we want houses on this street. It's going to make it that much easier to manage in-house. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, all, all management's in-house. We, we don't shell anything out. We kind of cut our expenses that way, even though it, it is a little time consuming. So. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of our investors, they actually uh, are invest out of state. I mean, most of the people that sure. we're dealing with, they're on the, the New York area. Uh, or they're in the, on the West Coast, which is kind of like uh, very expensive. So they investing in in California doesn't really make a lot of sense if you're looking for cash flow. So mm-hmm. they invest with us out of state in Memphis and Cleveland and all that. Uh, so, and I would suspect that for the uh, for student housing, if they were interested in investing in student housing, they would want to uh, also they would want to have property management in place uh, so that they completely hand off. Uh, for that. Do you know if there's any property management companies that would be able to handle these, uh, these student housing? Yeah, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily connected with any or or many in my Uh, network. I mean, I'm sure you'll agree that there's, especially in something like student housing, where, you know, there are broken windows and holes ending up in the walls, unfortunately, you know, no one's going to care more about that property than you are. Yeah. as the property owner and mm-hmm. and just where we're consolidated all on one street like that it, it just makes yeah more that sense makes it a little bit to, easier yeah to, to do it ourselves and and that way we know it's going to be done right 
Um, any uh, any issues with uh, lending and stuff like that? Getting getting kind of loan from the uh, from banks or uh, because it's student housing, is it more difficult? Do you have to anything special that we need to know about the the lending part of it? Not necessarily in my point of view, lending hasn't been an issue because again, like when yeah. we're approaching banks, you know, we're taking it from this family operated duplex into this student operated duplex where we believe mm -hmm. we're going to be able to, you know, two X our gross revenue. It, it yeah. just builds more confidence with banks with being able to cover our debt service. Yeah, so yeah. with, with us particularly, uh, I know issues and I, I, I wouldn't know as a whole as an industry when it comes to larger, you know, commercial student housing and, and what goes into that. But I, I mean, student housing as a whole, I mean, at the end of the day, there's always going to be education centers. There's always going to be yeah, colleges. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There will yeah. always be students and stuff like that. So I, I wouldn't know as a whole when it comes to the commercial side of student housing, mm -hmm. but us in particular, I mean, we're always painting that picture where, hey, we're going to, we're going to increase our revenue. We're going to, yeah. we're going to cut our expenses, you know, fill in the blank and we've never had an issue getting lending or, or anything mm. like that. Oh, that's very good. I've also, I, I think that's fantastic. I mean, I always like that. I mean, you buy a, a house, a duplex or a fourplex, and then you can double the revenue. I mean, there's nothing better than that, is there? <laughs> no, brainer, and then you're wondering why did the previous owner, why didn't they do that in the first place? But yeah, so I, that's fantastic. So I, I really like that. And now you, um, so based on your success and all of that, you decided to kind of like go and more into the, the commercial real estate. So what were you thinking? Why were you thinking that it was important to go in commercial real estate? And uh, yeah, what, what yeah. made you decide to go into commercial real estate? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the bridge probably uh, occurred, I'd probably say about six months ago, right at the end of 2020. Um, you know, I, I love real estate. It's, it's a passion. It's a, I want to say it's a hobby because um, it, it, it makes money. And, and it, I would say it's more of an, a passion. It's more, it's more of an, a, an obsession. Um, I, I love it. And it's something I want to do for the rest of my life. And when I was looking at our current portfolio, you know, and it comes back to us managing in-house and, and what that looks like, I was like, man, you know, this isn't super scalable, what we're doing mm -hmm. right now. You know, we're fixing broken windows, we're fixing smashed light bulbs, you know, fill in the blank, man. I, I want something that's scalable. Yeah. Um, you know, something larger than that duplex where, you know, even if a student moves out um, for a semester, yeah, we have seven other people in there, but it's not like if one of a hundred people move out and now you have 99 other people in there, yeah. you still assume more of risk with smaller assets. Yeah. So really it, it was just that, it was really just that thought of like, Hey, you know, you know, five years ago, I jumped into this, you know, let's jump into this and see where it can go from the commercial side. And mm -hmm. to say the least six months ago, um, I didn't know what a cap rate was, Eric. Oh, yeah. You still want me to finish the show? Six months ago, I, I many didn't people know don't know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, just this week, we'll be going under contract with our first commercial property, a, a 141 lot um, nice. mobile home park portfolio. That uh, again was sourced off market um, at a yeah. phenomenal price point. So yeah, yeah but th that was kind of like the bridge. It was like, hey, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's not scalable. You know, what is scalable? It's larger yeah. assets, and then and yeah, yeah, stuff like that. But I, I can kind of yeah, talk a yeah. little bit about that. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, scalability, I think, is, is important. I mean, because yeah, I think now you're, you're really act like a family business right now, right? Which is kind of like, yeah, same, same for me. It's a family business. I have my two sons that are in, in there. My, my wife is involved. And I mean, we are all full time in the business. And then we have other people that are working, working with us. Um, and you're always trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I scale this? And how do I yeah. step back from this too, so that I don't have like a, a 90... 90 hour uh, week uh, every week so so you have to figure out hire the right people and then being able to to scale to you know step back from from your investment so that you can you can do why you were doing this in the first place which was a financial freedom you you didn't do that to get another job on top of that so yeah so so that's that's interesting so you look at it and you say well you know this is not very scalable I already owned a whole street uh, then, <laughs> and then the management is a little bit tricky. So I need to find kind of what's the next step, what's another investment. And then you look at commercial real estate, 140 units. And that's because at that point you would have like property management that would, that would handle it and stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Your father does not want to fix anything anymore. <laughs> we are we are For bullish on uh, <laughs> no. We are we will have a uh, um, we will have an onsite management in place for this one, and that's you know that's a challenge that's facing me. Man, we've never had to do that before. What, yeah. what goes into screening the right onsite manager who's going to be there every day? Who's going to be responsive? Who's going to who's going to help our tenants and and stuff yeah. like that? So that, you know that's a personal challenge as an entrepreneur that I'm facing right now, yeah. Yeah. and that's going to be a big deal here within the next uh, thirty to sixty days during this inspection period is is hammering mm-hmm. that piece out. So yeah. I'm excited for it though. It's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. And I think what's that's what's important. I mean, I see a lot of investors they they kind of like flip like strategy like you know like uh, you know too, a little too quickly. Uh, they kind of go and they do a couple of deals this way and then they do a couple of wholesale and then they do some flip, they do burr strategy, then they're looking at commercial and all of that. And what I like about what, what you've done is that you really kind of, you had multiple units, you bought multiple units and you manage them uh, and, and then you realize, you say, okay, well, if I keep going like this, this is not, this is not really scalable then at that point, this is great what you have and you're going to, mm-hmm. you know, you can hold on to it. But then you're thinking, I need to get something. I need to get a slightly different investment. And, and I think this is what's important. I mean, you have to go a little bit deep in order to figure out exactly kind of like, why is this strategy? Why does it need to be tweaked? And what need to be tweaked? Does it, is, it the, uh, is it the market that needs to be tweaked? Is it the, the amount of money you put in? Is it the, you know, so really figuring that out. And in this particular case, I mean, you determined that it was really the type of investment that was, uh, that needed to be changed slightly. And, um, and then you, you know, something that could afford more property management so that you can really step back from that. So that, I think that's what I think is important. And I think people should, should take the time to go deep enough in order to, to figure out what how they want to tweak their their next strategy and then they can move on to something else. Yeah, I mean I agree. And and one last thing I kind of want to hit on, you already hit on it, was like the aspect of being able to step back is huge. Like mm-hmm. you, I mean, you won't believe with the student housing the, the amount of what I would refer to as a you know 50 cents an hour task that we yeah. get that we have to do fixing windows. Yeah. I already hit on painting walls and stuff like that. When you're able to scale those larger assets yeah. and you're able to go hands off because you have the property management in place, 
it now takes your attention away from those 10 cents an hour tasks. Yeah. So you can focus on the thousand dollar an hour tasks exactly. and scaling to even bigger and even larger assets and more acquisitions and stuff like that. So that's the really exciting part about yeah. all of this. And I think it's going to be a huge change what we're going to see here in the next 12 months uh, mm -hmm. within our portfolio. So it's exciting. Yeah. yeah and a move to, uh, you mentioned also like off market property. I mean, it's, that's great to have a, but that, that's great to have, be able to find properties off market, but there are also still a lot of properties out there. Like we buy a lot of our properties on MLS. Uh, okay. We also, we also started a, a wholesaling company last year called rocket offer. So we get some deals off of that. And, um, you know, and we also get like uh, deals from, uh, from our realtor friends that say in pocket deals and say, and before they go and, you know, the, they're really lazy, uh, but, they, <laughs> but you know, obviously everybody wants to uh, make the easy thing. So they, they have a deal and they say, oh, this is something that Martel can, they, they would be interested in that. And they know that if we like the deal, it was just, we're just going to buy it right away. There's like, you don't have to go and enter it into MLS or anything like that. Try to talk to other people. We're going to buy it. We're going to buy it cash. It's going to be quick. So, awesome. so yeah, so we find we basically we buy any kind of way that we can uh mls direct with uh, with rocket offer wholesale even wholesalers other wholesalers and uh and realtors so we any way any way you can this is yeah. how you want to do it and uh, so the other thing that i want to touch on so going to so what brought you now to the so this is also non-traditional so you start from a non-traditional student housing yeah. Uh, and now you're going to another non-traditional sure. uh, kind of investment with uh, mobile home park. So what made you decide to go to mobile home park instead of something a little bit more traditional in maybe in the same area where you currently have your student housing? And so, yeah, can, tell us more about kind of like what what made you decide to go to the mobile home park? Yeah, great question. I, I think it all sums up. And I'm curious your thoughts on this too, Eric. I think it all sums up to, you know, when everyone's looking left, I like yeah. to look right and find yeah. that opportunity. Uh, you know, every, everyone and their mother wants a hundred unit apartment building in America right now. It, it's not a, uh, it's not a secret. It's not a secret to what's going on out there. And in mm -hmm. the amount of competitiveness uh, really, I think compresses cap rates and drives up prices. So really it's just, it, it comes down to that mentality of like going to hunt where others don't hunt. Can yeah. we find value? Can we find opportunity um, mm -hmm. where others are not hunting? So same with that student housing. I mean, you, you said it right yeah. off the rip. It's a little bit, it's definitely non-traditional. Um, mm -hmm. And then with the mobile home parks, it's like, hey, same thing. You know, mobile home parks have a stigma attached to them. You yeah. know, people think of, uh, you know, narcotics, violent crime, um, poor collections. And I'll be yeah. the first one to tell you, uh, I'm sure there are D and C class trailer parks that are, out there that are like that. But I, I'll tell you the one that we have under contract and our vision for this isn't what I would refer to as a trailer park. It's what I would refer to as a mobile home community. Oh, yeah, and that yeah, will yeah. be the, the yeah. vision and, and just that slight change, that name, you know, yeah. hey, this isn't this isn't a, a, a trailer park. It's not a mobile home park. It's a mobile home community. It's yeah. where families can live, prosper with a safe, clean and secure place to live at an affordable rate. Mm -hmm. um, but, but that's really the basis of it. I'm, I mean, I'm curious from you, any thoughts on the, on the level of competition and 
multifamily and in that concept of looking right when everybody else looks left. I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So I always like to be the, the big fish in a small pond. So that's, sure. that's what I like. I think this is my money can speak uh, a little I can go faster. I can, I can more, more cash and stuff like that. This is one of the reasons why, you know, we are in, uh, in these markets like Memphis and Cleveland because we can we can buy everything cash we can pay everything cash. awesome that really accelerates how we how we go about doing business if i have if somebody doesn't have that kind of money and then they have to get the hard money lender for every house that they buy well they wouldn't be able to do 20 houses you know buy no. 20 houses in a month so which is what what we did last month and um so nice but with, because it's cash boom you just you just do it and um, so that makes it a lot, uh, a lot easier to, to do that small and also and that translate also into apartments. Um, so I stay away from actually the 100 units and above okay. apartment building because who, who buys that these are these are professional, uh, you know, uh, real estate investors, these are. Uh, you know, Wall Street uh, companies and REITs that are buying these massive things, they are forced by their uh, contract to invest in real estate in some typical, uh, some types of real estate. So if they have cash on hand, they have to spend it within the, the period. And that means they're overpaying, in my opinion, for a lot of these, uh, a lot of these properties. Right now, the stock market is full of cash. And uh, so they just, th that's why you were saying the cap rate compression. I mean, now it's like 4% uh, yeah, you know, I know. cap that's rate nuts. in many markets. I, I didn't even look at San Francisco, but, you know, like a few years ago, we were on a, on a deal in San Francisco and already the cap rate was like 4.5%. So I can imagine what it's like now. It's probably like 35 Yeah, it's probably in the threes or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's, this is insane. I mean, it works great if you're planning to do a quick flip because that's going to be a big multiplier if you do value add or if you do like you're do if you're able to do like a, a gross rent, like multiply the, the gross rent or the gross revenue by two times or 100%. Uh, so this is like, that would be fantastic because then the value would be multiplied that much. Um, but beside that, I think it's... Um, you know, the, like getting in, this is what's going to be, this is going to be hurting you. It's, uh, it's getting that, that deal done at the, what you consider the reasonable price. Yeah. Um, I, I like too how you kind of hit on hunting in that hundred less or that 90 less, uh, door. Um, yeah, we I normally mean, go I'm below, below 50, below 50. Nice. That people are not too interested in that. Uh, and below 30, actually you end up with people that, uh, the owner typically doesn't have professional property management i've seen so that too yeah so they're self they're self-manage and they're tired of managing just, just they don't want to paint anymore change light bulb and fix toilet so they're just like okay and they don't know any other way or they want to retire or something like that so so yeah so there's a lot of that you're not going to find that in the 100 units and more yeah, yeah they need professional yeah need property professional. management yeah yeah but whole uh, like a mobile home, this is a little bit unique. There's a lot of uh, I, I know a few people that are in there, and they uh, they're very active investors in mobile home park. They they love the mobile home park, 
And there's something, there's quite a few things that are unique uh, about that, but I'm going to let you talk about what, what, what is unique for people that have never invested in mobile home park. What is unique about mobile home park compared to having 140 unit apartment building? Yeah, the, the most unique kind of slam dunk part of mobile home parks is the concept of, of what's called land lease. So basically the majority of these tenants own their own homes. And you as the mobile home park owner basically just own the dirt and the infrastructure beneath the dirt. So example like electricity, water supply, sewer supply, stuff like that. So basically what you see here and compared to multifamily apartments, student housing, you see a very low expense ratio within mobile home parks because you're not going there to fix broken roofs in the mobile homes or, or smashed windows or broken toilets or anything like that. So really it's based off of this concept of being land lease where, where you're just owning the dirt and whoever, you know, Jane Doe and, and John Smith are paying you, you know, based on market rate rent, $300, $400, $500, you know, still below that uh, apartment market rent, but still a pretty significantly uh, good price. They're just paying you once a month and what's called lot rent to rent a piece of dirt on that land so they can put their home and basically hook up to the utilities that you provide. But, but really that's the slam dunk part of it is the really hands-off low expense ratio that goes into mobile home parks as opposed to apartment buildings where, where you do obviously own the entire building. And if there is a hole in the wall or if there is a broken door, window, whatever, you are responsible to fix that where in mobile home parks, uh, that's not always the case. So it, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier in the show of like freeing up that time and uh, really distancing yourself almost from those problems where, you know, an onsite manager who lives within the park, you know, he probably could cover, you know, 50, 60 pad park because really there isn't a whole lot of maintenance going on yeah. from a, a home point of view and stuff like that. But that's really, if I could sum it up, kind of the sticking point of mobile home parks and what makes mobile home park investing uh, such a niche and super unique is that concept of of what's called land lease so yeah. something something really interesting about the uh, industry so yeah yeah the other thing too that i like very much about that is that there's a lot of flexibility so yeah. uh so yeah so most of them it's uh, they they're really leasing the lot but sometimes the property owner also owns some of the mobile home and rents yeah, the true. mobile home so that's another option. Not all of them, maybe they own one, two, five, ten, and then they lease them and they can make more money off of that in terms of rent. There's also free lots that they can, you know, then they can just go and put the new mobile home in there and get yep. that something. And then there was also uh, if, you know, so one of a few of the, these properties, there's still space, they still have space available that's undeveloped. So there's no electricity plumbing uh sewage there yet but it's it's space land that's available to expand on uh, so if you're doing a very good job and then all of a sudden you need more more space you can develop some extra extra lot extra mobile home lot to and, and increase your rent so that's that's another thing too that i really like about that is um, mm -hmm. you have a lot of flexibilities a lot of ways to grow the business and ultimately, I mean, some of these mobile home communities that I've seen is, uh, I mean, they're right here. I mean, I'm in, uh, I'm in LA and there's, there are, there's, there's one right here, a mobile home in, uh, in Manhattan beach and one in Hermosa beach actually. And, uh, like, right, like close to the beach, yeah. close to LA and I, you know, and they're just like mobile homes and, uh, the community looks very nice, but I can imagine that 
you know, 20 years down the road, maybe this is say, well, screw the mobile home park. We're just going to, now we're going to build an apartment building or a hotel. You own a very significant uh, piece of real estate that sure. you can exit in a, in a very, uh, very pro profitable way, potentially. Yeah, a great example of a, what you're describing, a park that I would say is in the pathway of development yeah. or whatnot, or, or it's just, as you said, the exit uh, for further development is just a phenomenal piece of real estate. The dirt itself is yeah. probably worth more than the mobile home park is and, yeah. and the money it generates. But no, that's an awesome example of some of the parks out by you, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and how does the, the financing for that work? Like, uh, how were you able to, to build your, your, what they call a capital stack on this, uh, for, for this particular deal? Is yeah, this so this, you... go ahead. Yes, so for this particular deal, it's a, an interesting concept where it's an out-of-state um, owner, really laissez-faire kind of hands-off, who, who is super motivated just to get rid of this property. So it was actually a combination of seller financing Okay. Um, where the owner is going to hold the mortgage and then he already has a mortgage on the property. So it's going to be a combination of loan assumption and seller financing. So oh, wow. we'll do, yeah. So we'll go 20% down and then the remainder will be a combination of that loan assumption and seller financing. And the seller financing that we got for the deal is going to be 4% for a 20 year amortization. So uh, oh, wow. uh, pretty, uh, pretty good deal to borrow money at that rate. Um, yeah. from the uh, the seller himself. So yeah, yeah but uh, we see that case really a lot in mobile home parks where it is kind of a baby boomer owner who's owned this property for decades. And, uh, yeah. you know, unfortunately in this situation, you know, his children don't want to run the park. Um, he has no, uh, really no one to turn it over to. Yeah. Um, and I was able to source it like that. And, and he's willing, he's motivated enough to, uh, hold the mortgage for us at a pretty, uh, mm -hmm. a pretty awesome interest rate. So, yeah. but that's how, that's the financing solution for this deal. Probably got pretty lucky, uh, first commercial deal, seller financing and, and loan assumption, but I think it's going to work out really well. Well, yeah, I think that's is great because I think a lot of people are at wondering kind of like, oh, Hey, how do I get a deal? Uh, you know, 140 uh, units or 140, yeah. uh, mobile home. I can't afford that. Well, you know, I don't want to listen to that. But there are ways, there are creative ways to, uh, to organize your financing, organize your capital stack to do that. And even the 20%, I mean, if you didn't have that 20%, get other people's money, get a private sure. money lender and stuff like that and get that in the books. At the, if you have the, the room in terms of, uh, of your cap rate to, you know, to pay for all that, to pay for the seller financing and to pay for your PML, I mean, this is great. This is infinite return. You're getting cash flow and everything gets paid. So this is fantastic. Yeah, there's nothing uh, better than a non-recourse debt. I don't know if yeah. you think differently, but uh, yeah. another great advantage of seller financing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is, uh, so I like that. I like very, it's a very creative way of doing it. And um, and then also at that, so you're right. I mean, a lot of the, the boomers, the baby boomers, if they have a piece of property that is, time consuming to manage or it's a headache for them, uh, they, uh, yeah, they, they would welcome, uh, you know, to get rid of the property. The problem is that they don't, they don't want to sell it either uh, because they don't want to pay capital gains tax. Imagine they've owned that for, you know, 30 years and the amount of capital gains tax they're going to pay on, on that is going to be uh, unbelievable. They don't want to do a 1031 because, you know, they want to have the stream of income. So you're yeah. coming in and do seller financing 
is uh, is really solving solving a very good problem for them. Now you're converting their asset, their equity, into a stream of income, which is what they want when they uh, when they are at retirement. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're still getting that. a yeah. Thank you. They're still getting that lump sum, like you said, at the twenty percent. So they're still getting a, a decent paycheck, but they're also, yeah. as you said, they're getting that monthly payment every month. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And the other advantage too is that they could also consider that when they're reporting that in taxes, it's not really selling. It's kind of like uh, what is that? I forget what it's called now, but it's kind of like. Uh, hmm. It's kind of like amortizing the sale over a long period of time. So they're not they're yeah. not capitalizing the gains every year. It's kind of like uh, oh, I forget I forget what it's called, but it's kind of um, yeah sale over a period of time. So that they don't yeah, have yeah. to pay capital gains tax at the beginning. So that's the other advantage uh, of that. Um, so yeah, so what's what's next for you? I mean, you just you're just getting started here, and uh, you're having already a big portfolio, lots of success. So what what's the next goal? Yeah, the next goal, uh, man, I don't know. The next goal is is the sky. The sky's the limit here. Um, <laughs> once we get this one across the finish line, uh, something that I've never done that's definitely in, on the twelve month goal list is uh, once I have this commercial property, you know, within my portfolio, it'll be to start doing syndications and, and start raising capital to do bigger deals. Um, uh, what I'm excited the most is getting this one across the finish line. I think that's really going to, you know, create a track record mm-hmm. of like, Hey, you know, taking down deals of this size of, you know, hundred plus units or, or whatnot. But uh, I'm really excited for the potential of, uh, of the concept of raising capital and stuff like that and really start deep diving into that world. Um, I, I really like how this really, this first deal is just a joint venture because I think it allows me especially at this stage in my career to uh, become an expert at, yeah. you know, asset management of a commercial property, um, you know, owning a commercial property, the process returns yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, I really want to make sure I'm an expert at that before I go anywhere near uh, mm-hmm. touching anyone else's money. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the goal here is really to get this one across the finish line, mm-hmm. uh, become an, uh, an expert at that. And then here within 12 months where I'm going to start raising capital and I'm going to yeah. start doing bigger and bigger deals. So, yeah, well, sounds very good. Well, yeah. we'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye on that. Maybe you're gonna have to come back, come back and tell us about your your syndication deal when, when that's ready. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So Jesse, uh, before we wrap it up, anything else you want to add? A book, a movie deal that you're gonna be on? You're gonna be on Broadway or something? I don't know. <laughs> a mission no, somewhere? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm terrible at dancing. I'm terrible at singing. I'm terrible at. Uh, um, you know, you already hit it on and I hit on it already, but if I could just, you know, hit one more thing to your listeners. And again, I, I made the joke about it, but it was true. In, in November of 2020, I didn't know what a cap rate was. Yeah. And, you know, I, I networked, I networked my ass off and I read every book and I hit every podcast and I, and I, uh, you know, got on phone calls, you know, with subject matter experts like yourself and I picked your brain and, and whatnot. And, and it's like, hey, man, you know, six months later, I'm here. Like, this is mm-hmm. possible for those guys out there who are are worried about, you know, starting too small or, man, I don't think I can make that jump to commercial real estate. Like, you know, yeah. let me be the proof that it is possible. And uh, you got to be willing to put in the work, though, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm coming home from the W-2 job every day and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm reading books, I'm doing podcasts, I'm, I'm banging yeah. the phones, I'm cold calling, direct mailing. So, but if, yeah. if I could, you know, hit, you know, one last thing to your, your listeners, it would be something along those lines that yeah. it's more than possible to bridge that gap and you just got to be willing to put in the work. So, 
Yeah, putting the work and then taking action. I think there's a lot of people that are kind of like sitting on the sideline and then sure. they just kind of find an excuse to say, well, so the market, the, the real estate market is at the peak. I'm just going to wait for it to go down. And and then when it's down, they say, well, you know, I think it's going to go down further. And it would start going up again. So oh, I missed it. I'm going to yeah. wait for the next down. And then 20 years down the road, it's just like they still haven't invested because they're waiting for the right moment. It's always a good time to, to invest in real estate, especially because you're in control of the asset and what you're doing is the, the, the duplex and the, the fourplex that you've bought, you bought that at the price at a specific price when it was making $2,000 in, in revenue. And then, you know, short a year later, you're generating 4,000 revenue, $4,000 of revenue per month. So you, you've already increased tremendously that, that value of the property. So, so, the, so you're making it happen. It, the, the increase in value is making it happen. And this is why it's important for people to, to realize that it's always a good time to invest in real estate. If you're going to do value add, if you're going to do uh, what you're doing here, like a transformation uh, with, uh, with student housing, same thing with mobile home, uh, you're making things happen. You're increasing the value uh, beyond what you bought it for. So that's that's it this is this is the, the key uh answer take action get in there make it happen it's always a good time to invest in real estate absolutely so, yeah on that note jesse it was a pleasure speaking with you uh we'll talk to you again when you have your uh, your syndication ready and you want to talk about it and uh in the meantime we'll wrap it up thank you for your yeah. time Thank you for listening to Break Away from the Rat Race with your host, Eric Martel. If you want to share your story and experience with our listeners, please message us on Facebook at Break Away from the Rat Race. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes.